This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 197. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm amazing. How are you? You're amazing. I'm amazing. I, I had am, a good weekend. <laughs> I'm doing never better. So why are you amazing? I was a part of Aquashella, which... If you've heard some of our past podcasts, you've heard me talk about it was an aquarium, so saltwater and freshwater. They also had other reptiles, a festival that combined those aspects with art, a lot of artists. So it was kind of an art. Well, I would say it was the aquarium festival mainly, but you also had an art show side of it. Yeah. And just three weeks ago, I believe it was three weeks ago um, and four weeks ago, I may have those wrong, but we'll put <laughs> links in the show notes. Um, we did cover that uh, Lisa was going to be going to this Aquashella um, show and we talked about some of the things that she was prepping for during that time. And we also promised that we would come back and do a follow up. So that's what this is today. So I'm excited about this. So how did that go, Lisa? Not how I expected, but still oh. amazing. Okay. We have not talked about the show at all, so I'm so excited to find out what, you know, what happened and what your takeaways are. Yeah. Okay, so first I want to talk about the setup. I so overkilled it. Um, I spent far more money than necessary for what the payback was. I put in over $2,000 getting Giclée Prince which I'll talk about later why that wasn't mm -hmm. necessary or not the way I did it. I put over $2,000 into everything. I made back $585. Financially, not a win. Um, and okay, I, that, I'm That's going the to, biggest question yeah. everybody has, though. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's it, cool. Okay. I'm going to talk about why. So when I set up, um, my setup had a huge banner behind me. It had my... Big print or my big painting, the lion with the coral. And that was the one I thought would draw the most attention. The problem was they put me next to a glow in the dark booth and the glow in the draw dark draws attention and people were just kind of walking right past mine. So that was um, something I talked about. The people who put on the show were definitely not doing it this way. They've got to put me, they're going to put me up front or next to the merch tape, like their merch. Like we're going to do this different. I'm not going to be with the rest of the art, like do where the, or set up where the rest of the artists are. Cause my work, the, the problem that I had, my main problem, I'm selling my stuff for too high for this, what this venue would pay or what people at the venue were expecting to pay for anything. So, um, I'll yeah, go see, And that's the crapshoot that, yeah. that you and I talked about yeah. beforehand. And so yeah. I set up with, I had my painting, I had a, a set of smaller paintings that ran about $300. Anywhere I had the cheapest one was $100 and they went up to $900, but $300 was for like an eight by 10. These were acrylic paintings, brightly colored, but again, right next to glow in the dark paintings. And so 
so I noticed that people would stop for that. They draw attention and then keep walking. They weren't even looking. They didn't stop to see what I had. So the setup of my booth could have been a little bit different. Um, I didn't need, the point is, and I'm not complaining about the glow in the dark paint. I get why that draw, draws attention. It's bright. It's colorful. And in this event where it was very dark, the venue is very, very dark because you want to highlight the corals and the fish, which were right across from us um, in those tanks, they... I, I I brought way more and made more work for myself than necessary. No, I didn't know what to expect going in. And so this is why I often recommend people go to a show before you sign up to be a vendor so you know what to expect. So you can set up right. around that in the first place. The table itself, which was at the front of my booth, had postcards, which I was selling for $2. You know, normally, or it's two or three for five. Normally, when I've done art shows, postcards are what sells for me. The first day especially really wasn't selling anything. And that surprised me because that's on the lower end. People weren't even stopping to look. So in this case, maybe having a light on it would have made a big difference because it was too dark. I didn't have lights on the table. I had lights on the artwork in the back. And people were just walking right past it. I was even giving out free fish-shaped canvases for kids. And that people weren't even stopping to look at. They were continuing through. Now, this was the thing with this show. There was a line a quarter mile long. People were waiting hours to get in on Saturday. So once they got in, it felt like Disneyland. Fire Marshal was there and at one point had to just tell people, we can't let any more in. If you didn't have a ticket, you weren't getting in. Um, It was packed. So, I mean, you weren't going to get more traffic than this. This was amazing for traffic. But I feel like my setup wasn't highlighting the things and especially being next to a glow-in-the-dark booth. Now I know if I wanted a a real booth at this, I would tell them, do not put me next to something that has glow-in-the-dark. Your attention skips. It's like you look at that, skip over, and then right next to the next booth. I was in between two, actually, that had glow-in-the-dark. Now, I'm not saying that they were selling so much more than me or anything like that. I'm just saying... But it attracted attention. I was kind of a, you know, your eyes weren't drawn to it. And I get that. I totally see that now. And so we'll definitely do this differently for the next Aquashella show. So as far as sales, the first day, and I know a lot of people wanted to come back the next day to buy things. I had 20 by 30 inch giclés of the main print that would that got the most attention with the lion with the coral, which was perfect for this venue. I was selling them for $200 too high. It is, even though this, you were talking big, 20 by 30 inch, a, a gicle yeah. on, ex- I had it printed on one of the more expensive papers, really thick cardstock. It's in a bag, you know, the, the acid-free plastic bag type thing. Right. Um, they were presented beautifully. People weren't looking to spend that. By the second day, no one bought it for that price. Second day, I dropped them down to 120. It's like, let's just see if I can make some of my money back. I, you know, I know I'm not going to even break even. Let's just see if I can do that. And so the people, a lot of them were going to come back second day to buy stuff anyway. First day was just kind of looking and deciding what they wanted. So I did end up selling, I want to say two or three, I think three of them at 120. Maybe it was just two. I'd have to look at my paperwork. I don't remember now. And then the smaller prints, I had the 12 by 18 inch G-Clays that when the paper, the cardstock or paper stock that I used wasn't quite as high quality or it wasn't as thick. The quality was good. It just wasn't as thick. So I had to, um, once I saw them in person, they looked amazing, but I had to buy backing to put in the thing to make sure, you know, someone carrying it home was going to put a dent in that paper. So Mm, I had to buy backing for it. So there's an additional cost. And, um, those ones I initially had for $80, but I realized the first day just setting up, I had vendors coming. Well, here, I'll give you 60. Will you take that? People wanted to haggle. And I'm like, well, if people are going to haggle, I want to put the price higher and I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to haggle on that, you know, for prints, but I need to have the price marked higher. So I'm not, you know, it doesn't end up being, let's haggle down to 20. Um, that's a bit, I just have to say though, that's a bit unusual, uh, for an art show. It wasn't an art show though, really. That's that's the thing. It's it's kind of a mix, I guess. 
exactly. Yeah. It's marketed as art and fish. You know, it's not just yeah. it's not just an aquarium um, expo. It's not just an art show. So it was yeah. both, and so you get a mixture of things. But I mean, I'm willing to. The bartering thing, by the me. haggling that that's that's a little bit odd to me. Yeah, it ha- um, and I've never had that in an art show. So that yeah, was that right. was definitely different. But I mean, it's fine. So yeah. I the second day marked down the prices and I had signs. My signs, I got the those chalkboard um, signs that you could write with a white um, uh-huh. the marker pen, the marker chalk, whatever. Stuff. Right. That looked amazing. I loved how it looked. And I just marked on it, you know, special last day sale type thing and marked them down from 200 to 120 on the big one and from 80 to 60 on the smaller one. And that worked out. I mean, I sold a few of them. I started selling more. And I think I would have sold more no matter what because it was the last day. But yeah. people, when they saw, they, they wanted that deal. It seemed to be the, the thing that pushed them over the edge. So that, and I did sell quite a few postcards, but not anywhere near as much as I would have expected. I had nine different designs. They were displayed nicely, but I think having a light over that, you know, and this is where I say, when you go to do a, a show, find out, you know, go visit it before you sign up to be a vendor there. Know what to expect. Right. There was one lady, and all the artists were complaining except for two artists, and I'll talk about why they did well, but all the rest of the artists were complaining. It it was pointless. We weren't making, none of us were making money. And one lady who was also doing glow-in-the-dark painting who was further down from me, she didn't show up for the second day. She decided it wasn't worth her time, and I'm sorry, that is bad form. I don't care if you're not making money. You signed up, you committed to something. Now they've got an empty booth where they shouldn't have. You look bad, not the venue. It is bad because that's Someone may have been planning to come back the next day to buy something like what happened to me. People came back knowing they could buy stuff the second day of the show where they wouldn't have to carry it around or carry it back to their hotel or whatever else. And well, she just decided anyway. it does. It was really, really bad form. Um, luckily, I don't remember her name, so I don't feel like I'm talking trash about someone directly. But it was just, I was surprised that somebody, that an artist would do that. And I get being disappointed and, and frustrated that things aren't selling. But it was a learning experience. And a lot of the artists there have, you know, this isn't their only job. So they didn't necessarily, they kind of went into this like me, where we weren't really sure what to expect. But you make a commitment, you show up for that commitment. You don't go, ah, it didn't do good. I'm not showing up the next day. It makes you look bad. And you lost out sales you could have had the next day. So yeah. it just didn't make sense unless, I mean, I would understand if it was like a family emergency. Absolutely, family comes first. Yeah. But well, that wasn't different. the case. She told the other venue, other, um, or I was, now, she didn't tell me. I didn't talk to her directly. But she, I heard from the other artists that she told them it wasn't worth her time and she wasn't coming back. And so she just yeah. didn't show up for day two. So, you know, and this is what happens. You have to know this. This is common. Yeah, that's My the risk that this you time, take. Yeah. I banked on high quality prints and it just didn't work for this show. The few people who got them were so excited. And so that alone kind of made it worth it. It was so fun. But financially, no, it wasn't good. Now, on the flip side, if I did these shows regularly, I've got all, a ton of prints. I wouldn't have to buy anything else. This money that I spent is all reusable. It's not like, oh, now I yeah. can have them printed again. I could reuse use it and it's an investment that would work long term if you enjoy doing this type of show. For me, it was too much physical work. It's getting all that down there. Yeah, I mean I have yeah. my, I have fibromyalgia and I was exhausted. I mean it's taken me days. It's now Wednesday that we're recording or no Thursday we're it's days. It's like five days after no four days. So <laughs> it's a Sunday it was, <laughs> I don't know kidding. what day it is. But it was exhausting. And so that aspect I didn't really like. 
And yeah. one of the other things for me as a YouTube creator that I didn't like is all my effort went into my booth and not creating content, which is what I would prefer to do. So I don't regret it because I've got some advice to give people on what worked and what didn't work now. But I will definitely personally be doing this differently because I want to go up to the Aquashella this summer in Chicago. But I'm going to go up as a creator, not as, you know, maybe bring a box of prints, which again talk about in a second, but not the whole setup. It just wasn't worth the effort. And in my case, I the thing that I got the most out of the show from was networking. Oh my gosh, priceless, the amount of networking I did. So the 2000 I put in, totally worth it in my case. But if I were just, if I weren't a YouTuber, then I would be like, man, I'm not doing this again. Or I would mm-hmm. do it differently. So Let's, I keep hinting at the thing about prints and the tips I have. So here's the thing where part of me would say if it weren't for this one thing, like, oh, people just weren't buying. Not true. People weren't buying mine because they were too high priced. And they had to be high priced because I spent so much getting the super high quality and the larger size print. There's an artist there named Sam Scales who was phenomenal. His artwork, it was like a single fish. He does works in watercolor, mainly watercolor and ink, it looks like. And he would do a single fish on a white background and he had prints. They were eight by 10 prints, 11 by 14 inch total matted. And he was selling them for $25 or like two for 30 or something like that. I didn't see what the deal was. His table, nonstop traffic. He didn't have a big setup. He didn't have big banners. He had nothing, no easels, no anything, because he flew in from from San Diego. So he just threw all of his prints in a big suitcase, and that was his setup. And he laid them all out on the table. And oh my gosh, he made a killing selling those. He had tons of different types of fish, and that was the big thing too. He had a ton to choose from, but they were smaller, $25. People were like, absolutely. I mean, the whole time, I hardly got to talk to him besides when we were setting up and tearing down because he was he was slammed with people buying stuff. He did amazing. And this is the way to go. And he told me after too, he goes, yeah, you're doing it wrong. You know, basically my setup wasn't going to make me the most money. If you're going in there to make the most profit, the way he did it was perfect. Very little setup, just spread out. I mean, it was so easy, so simple. And that's what I'm going to do for the future Aquashellas. I'm going to bring a wood crate full of small prints and that's it. There is my setup and maybe a banner, but that's it. I'm not going to try to bring in all the originals that I'm having to drag back and forth. I, you know, anything that I'm painting for Aquashella that they're keeping, fine. But I'm just not going to to put in the amount of work to make my booth look nice. And it didn't do me any good. It was so much work in this specific instance. Now, I think if it were a different lighting, different setup, then it may have been different. But in this case for this show, and again, going back to do, you know, that that recon work, go go to the show before you sign up to be a vendor so you know a bit more of what to expect because every show is going to be a little bit different. And in this case, those small prints, because part of me would say, well, I'd say I outpriced myself, but people weren't buying the postcards like normal. I think it was my setup. They, they were Those were kind of in the dark. They were up front, but people weren't really stopping and looking that much. And him and the other seller who did really good, it's called, I think it was Jewels of the Sea. Now, this guy's setup was super elaborate. He had these metal, like this framework with these fancy lightings. His artwork was huge and colorful, and it was phenomenal. But he does some kind of process that includes some kind of resin. He says that it's from NASA. He won't tell people what it is because he's one of those, we're going to keep it all secret. Um, but it was kind of glittery and I, I don't know, beautiful, beautiful work. And his prints, whatever he was doing on his prints were stunning as well. And he was doing the same thing. His prints that were like 11 by 14 inch that size, he was selling for 40 and then he had the 8 by 10s for like 25. 
I saw people walking around all day with with his stuff because that price point seemed to be the key in this, having those smaller. Now, his booth drew attention because he had his own light system. It was crazy the way this was set up. I should have gotten photos. If you guys, some of you may have seen my Instagram live during the the event um, I showed it, but... I, that was the, one of the things that I regret is I was too busy with my booth and I didn't get enough footage of everything. Um, I got some that I'll, I'll have videos of later, but not as much as I would like. So that's something I'm going to do different in the future. But yeah, the price point, those $25 prints and $40 prints seem to be the way to go. And they were small prints. I mean, it wouldn't have cost me much to have prints. Even if I wanted to go Giclees, it would not have cost me that much to do a fine art, high quality print. Although in this case, at least with Sam, his weren't Giclees and they were and people didn't care. That I think yeah. that's the big thing. They didn't care. They just wanted a cheap print around that size. Right. Okay, so you mentioned networking a little bit. Tell me a little bit more about that. Who did you meet? I mean, did, did you make some introductions to some other artists? Absolutely. And it wasn't so much for me with the other artists that made the difference. It was with other YouTubers. So, and I've talked about this before. If you really want to push your work forward, if you want to get your name out there, get a YouTube channel going. It makes such a difference. But there were quite a few YouTubers that have channels based around fish, fish keeping, aquariums, pets, that sort of thing. And there we're quite a few that I'm going to be doing collaborations with. So we've got Melv's Reef, Tidal Gardens, Simply Beta. Um, I think those were the three main ones that I really spoke to, but Tidal Gardens especially. He, and this one is really exciting. So we'll be talking more about this. So I'm kind of spilling some of the beans early and colored pencil artists are going to really love this. Um, Tidal Gardens is, a, he sells corals, like very high quality corals. Now, one of the problems that we have, especially me, if I want to do high, highly detailed work of corals, it's very hard to find good photographs, good reference photos. And in talking to him about this, we're going to do a collaboration. I'm going to paint. He has cats that he's in love with. So I'm going to do a, a, a portrait of one of his cats with fish swimming around, kind of a surreal feel as the collaboration and then tell people, you know, you can go over to his his channel, check out stuff about his coral, but he's going to be offering a free reference photo. And let, oh my God, these coral photos that he takes, that's what he kind of prides his channel. You know, he's, his business is very, very professional. And these photos are like nothing you've ever seen. I mean, I've never seen qual photos of coral this good. And he's going to provide w at least one free reference photo for artists, you know, that want to go over and get it. But he's thinking about providing those regularly. He didn't realize that artists would be that was something we were looking for. And especially coral, you can't find it. I mean, even if you go to a website like Wildlife Reference Photos or whatever else, you're not going to get quality coral reference photos. Such a big deal. And so with colored pencil, I, that was my big thing. When I'm looking at these, I'm like, I want to do this in colored pencil, the little detail, the little polyps on the corals. I want to do that in these bright, bright colors that at least me as a colored pencil artist really want to draw. And so he's talking about, you know, maybe selling those to artists bundles or, or do, you know, setting up something um, yeah. that isn't available. I mean, he'd really be the only one providing that kind of quality for artists. So that was when um, I ended up buying, I came home with a beta fish. I've been wanting one forever. So I finally, they had sellers that had, oh, they're beautiful. So I got one of those and the whole setup for them. And did the planet tank and everything. But Simply Beto was another YouTuber there who has a channel that teaches you all about keeping bettos. And she breeds them. And so, I mean, these, it's not that it's an art so much an art collaboration. I mean, it will be my side of the video will be art, but telling people, you know, about how if you want to keep these animals, go to this channel to learn more about them. But those type of networking, the, the thing to boost my YouTube channel, because in my case, 
a lot of Aquarius do not know about me at all. And they may want to learn how to paint from me. They may want to learn how to, to, to paint their own fish or even just buy prints of my work. I mean, I, this is a, an area I need to get into. If you do pet portraits, you want to connect with maybe dog show, the dog show group. That was how I used to make money off pet portraits was from an Italian greyhound form because that's what breed I, I was showing at the time. So, I mean, if you can find somebody that is in a genre, you know, something that, that you're interested in. In my case, I'm really into reef keeping and now I've got my little beta tank. In the future, I'll be setting up a vivarium with red-eyed tree frogs. If you can meet people, and that, that's another connection I made later, if you can meet people who are interested in the things that you're painting. So it, you don't have to just network with artists. I don't find that networking with artists themselves does a whole lot of good. But in this case, these people have a fan base or a following that is my target market as far as selling the paintings. Um, you know, it's one thing for me to want to connect with other artists to teach, give out tutorials and such. But mm-hmm. to sell the artwork, that's where my trouble is. I don't really sell because I don't, I don't market it. I'm really bad about it. I, I'm too busy making videos. But these are the people who would buy it. You have to find the people who would be interested. So Title Gardens, Simply Beta, all the people that I, I hooked up with, Mel's Reef, these are people who have the followers that would be interested in my my work. So those are the people that make more sense to be networking with than just networking with the other artists that were there. I mean, all the other artists, yeah, I got great tips from Sam. I was so grateful for the tips he gave me on, on the way to do prints next time. But there... Other than that, I mean, the networking, you're not going to get a whole lot there besides giving each other advice on what works, what doesn't work. But if I can hit the audience... You know, we have that crossover in audience who are keeping reefs versus me who are painting things that go in a reef tank. We want to, I want to get some of that. And so this is where networking with, with people who are into that, I think it's going to make such a difference. And I've talked about this before with dog shows. I keep bringing that up because it's kind of an easy one. If you do pet portraits, if you can get in with people who show dogs or agility trials, it doesn't just have to be dog shows, you know, something where you're going to have people who aren't necessarily other artists, but they want a painting of their dog. These are the people you want to network with, not necessarily just other artists. Now, as a YouTuber, networking with another artist and doing those kind of collaborations makes sense. But for somebody who's trying to sell work, networking with other artists isn't where I'm going to get the most bang for my buck, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's good friendship for one thing. But the problem with a show, and I'm sure you ran into this, is you don't have time to talk to anyone else. Yes. You're too busy and they're too busy at their own booth. Yes. And that was definitely uh, so meeting a problem. up afterwards is the the big and you know, through. way if to you do make, that. Yeah, if you make yeah. that connection, I mean I'm already emailing with um the guy who runs Tidal Gardens, which if you guys are listening, go look up Tidal Gardens on YouTube or you can find him on Instagram and look at the photos I'm talking about. Holy crap, they're amazing. Like just, I, I can't, because he does the well, whole macro shots. What, and, okay, what, yeah. what is the website again? Title Gardens, Real Coral. And oh my gosh, I'm so excited to start drawing some of those with colored pencil because the detail in there, and it almost has an abstract feel. If you were to just do one of his his corals, it will have, be abstract, but detailed. Like it, it, it's not really an abstract because it's a coral, but somebody who doesn't know coral wouldn't know why you, what in the world is this? It's very interesting, beautiful lighting, beautiful everything. So why do they look so good? I mean, I'm well, looking he right uses extremely now. good video equipment. Like even when he was walking around, I'm walking around with my little GoPro seven to record things. And he's got this huge camera setup that he's recording for his. He just does everything. Even with his audio, he was telling me the process of doing the audio on his videos 
he he puts a lot of time into perfecting every aspect of everything he does. But his yeah. his camera equipment is stills. really good, and he knows what he's doing. He's just a yeah. really well, good but photographer. The stills though are are really nice. Oh um, yeah, and he's not using video equipment for that. He's probably using prime lenses. I'm sure. I have no idea. I just know that they're yeah. They're incredible. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, the, the networking, the talking to vendors. And for in my case, it's going to be great because vendors will want to work with me as far as, you know, I'm promoting their product. And that was something I, I spoke with another guy a couple days later. My husband was there looking at the snakes and he really wants a snake. But he, um, so we, you know, he's, I'm like, just research it. If that's a pet that you're interested in, always, anytime you get an animal, just research, research the heck out of it before, you know, go visit the pet store or the, in our case, a reptile store. Not, don't, don't do Petco or PetSmart. Those are, those are not, usually the most knowledgeable um, you're not no, going to get the most not. information and, from that. Right. So you it's need hit to go to a reptile swap if yeah. you're into reptiles. So with us, we went to a reptile store because he wanted, he was interested in corn snakes. He's interested in a few different types. He's re- just, you know, researching. It won't be for maybe nine months until we get a house where that's going to be a setup. I also wanted to talk to somebody about red-eyed tree frogs. I used to keep Australian whites tree frogs or duppy frogs, people know them as. I had him um, rib for 12 years. Really cool, cool pet. So I wanted to look into red-eyed tree frogs. I paint them all the time. One of my favorite animals. So I went in and started talking to him. Here's another networking option. So I paint and draw things that their customers are interested in. So we talked about potentially selling my artwork through or prints through his shop. And when I eventually do go through the process, because I want to set up a full vivarium, I like to create habitats for my animals that's as natural as possible. So the live plants, the misting, the, you know, the whole, I want them to feel like they're in nature, in, in their own environment or where they should be. So I talked to him about, you know, the price of setting it up, getting everything going, what's involved in the care, just, you know, starting my research, like I would recommend mm-hmm. anyone doing if you're interested in animal. But he, when I said, you know, would you allow me to video record this? I told him I was a YouTuber, what my channel was. And I said, it'd be really cool because I do paint them so often to do a video of the purchase process, the process of ordering, because I want them to do the custom work with creating the plants, which was a lot less. I think it was about on the high end, like 450 for the, the aquarium that I want big size with all of these live plants that you guys probably don't know this about me. I love plants. I hate fake plants. I love real plants. I keep adeniums, orchids, um, um, my succulents. So I'm really into, and I've got several different ones, but those are like my main things that I grow. And I love the idea of having, a, you know, this vivarium in my house. And then you throw in some red-eyed tree frogs on top of that. This is like my dream. So I was really impressed with the price with all the custom work they do. But anyway, they... um he started talking to me about that and he's like, you know, we can work out a deal with them setting this up and letting me film all this because it benefits them and me. And it's just a, another networking opportunity. So, you know, if you can find things that you enjoy painting, if you can find things, you know, let's say you're into florals, you do a lot of florals. There are shows for plants and for, for things like this. This would be a good thing for you to get in, involved in. There are expos for succulents. There are expos like orchid shows and things like that. If you can get into something like that, here are the people who are going to be most interested in the work that you're creating. So it's not just like, oh, I'm not really into animals. I draw still life or I draw flowers. Find stuff that fits that. Don't just do, because what I found when I do art shows. Bonsai uh, trees are another yeah. one. That's a huge little industry when I there. Do art shows surprisingly. Alone, I'm competing with other artists and I'm not just getting the people who are interested in marine life or in fish or what it is that I'm interested in. If you can find an expo or a show to be a part of, but again, visit it first, see if you think that's going to be a benefit to you. But the the networking and making these connections, it's some of the stuff. And it's funny because I've talked about this before. I keep bringing up the 
dog show thing, you know, go to dog shows, set up a booth there. I never even thought about with the fish and with the reptiles and all the connections you can make. What is it that you paint or draw? Um, there's a possibility if you do a lot of wildlife with, let's say, owls, or I mean, you may have, uh, there are bird shows or with the zoos, some zoos will work with artists. Um, the ones in my area, unfortunately, not really going to work out. But there are some zoos that do take in work from artists and sell and make, you know, whether it be prints in their their store, their um, souvenir shop. You know, there are things you want to kind of start thinking outside of the box and not just art shows. I just, I mean, I've sold big things at art shows. I did have one, I had one painting, the most expensive I sold in an actual art show is a $1,200 painting, but that's rare. That was one time. Most of the time I'm selling, you know, $50 paintings. Even in this case, I couldn't even sell the $300 ones. And this was even with my target market, but the the smaller prints, definitely the way to go. Invest in those. And that other thing, that was a mistake I made with the prints. I had 50, because I didn't know how many I would sell. I printed, printed 50 of the 12 by 18 inch. I probably sold two or three, four of those. I could have just brought five of that one and maybe five of another print and had a few more options or two or three of each print and have a few different options, different fish, different things out there, just a few of them. And I will do you want to give kind of a shout out, I guess, to G Clay today. That's who I, I went. Um, I think it's just gclaytoday.com. If you just type in G Clay today, it'll come up or we'll we'll put the link in the show notes. But their prints were very, I mean, they're expensive, but they're G Clay's. They're very reasonable and you can order one at a time. You don't have to order 50 at a time, which is a big deal. Because I was originally thinking doing like rolled just cheapy posters. Oh yeah, those aren't so cheap to have printed and they you were have to print, you know, 500 at a time. So that's why I decided to go with the Giclees, but fewer. Don't you don't need to print 50. You may want 50 prints, but not necessarily 50 of one. You know, you you can do a couple at a time um and like I said, smaller seems to be the way to go. It, even if I were to do an orchid show and have orchid prints, maybe five of each type of orchid that I have, if I have several of those, you know, break that up a bit and just go with the small prints. Maybe have, if you have a big enough setup and you want to do it, one or two of the big ones available, and you can advertise that only two available. Uh, that may push the sales too, but having I, the 15 of the big ones that I did and then the 50 of the small, so overkill. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing all this, Lisa. And I mean, the bottom line is, you know, you spent a lot of money and you didn't really say what that amount was, but your profit. So top line revenue was out there somewhere, but then the bottom line was profit was around 500, right? Yeah. I spent about 2000 for the whole, everything I bought to set up the show. But keep in mind, I've not done art shows in a very long time. So I needed the metal grid to hang things on. I needed everything. So it was about, I'd say... Maybe twelve hundred between no, probably a little closer to fifteen hundred between the Giclees and then the postcards. And then I had to get the stand for the postcards. I had to get a lot of stuff that I didn't have, but they're yeah. all reusable. I don't have to reorder right, right. any of that if I decide to do another show. So if you're going to invest that kind of money, you better know you're planning on doing other shows because otherwise so you, I would be out. That would be a huge loss yeah. otherwise. So you are doing other shows. I, I'm I going to was do Aquashella. Yeah, you're you're going to do that one next I'm year do or something. That one. I'm not really interested. Okay. It's too much work in normal art shows. Um, and I do not like doing outdoor events at all, but because you're contending with the weather and the wind and the heat or whatever, just no, not fun for me, but I do enjoy, I really liked Aquashella and I'm going, I, that's what I talked to him. I'm like, I, I still want to be a part of it. I just don't want to do it the way I did. So I'm thinking one box of small prints. They were talking about potentially putting me near their merch in the future or putting me somewhere up front, not 
it, you know, where I'm back yeah. with with all of right. the other artists. And, and probably I just wanna, go with high quality prints rather yeah, than G glues for on, that. Yes. I want to focus yeah. on the YouTube aspect of it because they had a whole section for the YouTubers. The other YouTubers didn't know I was a YouTuber. And so the first day I didn't have my creator badge. And it was kind of funny because I'd have a YouTuber, like this one guy would come over and I think his channel had maybe 30,000 subscribers and he hands me a card. Go check out my channel. I was like, no, dude, you go check out my channel. <laughs> I'm a YouTuber too. And I'm trying to tell people and they, the first thing they do is look at my badge and it's like, no, you're not. If you were a YouTuber, you'd be with us type thing. Plus none of them know who I am because I'm not a part of that community yet. I'm just getting back into fish keeping. So that, you know, yeah. these collaborations are going to make a big difference. I think the next event will make a big difference, but I definitely want to be a part of the YouTuber group this time versus the artist group. I think for me personally, because of the YouTube channel, I would rather pr- promote, help getting more people involved in painting. Right. I want to hit that aspect of it this time instead of selling the art aspect. I think that, yeah. in my case, would do better. Um, and it, again, well, I mean, get that's those your YouTube channels anyway. going. Yeah. And I so recommend, if you're an artist, get the YouTube channels going. That may, I mean, once the vendors, once the other artists, once the other cr- art creators, when they find out that you're a YouTuber, the difference in how people, the, the reaction I got from people was huge. I mean, heck, there was one guy. But like in my case, Rods, I feed a fish food called Rods. It's a frozen food. It's extremely natural. It's like so far above feeding pellets or flake. It's it's amazing. And this is what I feed my clownfish. And he was there. And so I came by and I'm like, okay, I've got to give you, I'd been talking to him quite a few times. Well, once he realized I was a YouTuber and that I was actually promoting his product, just because I like it, he, when I came back by, I was like, hey, okay, I need to give you some money. And he's like, I'm not taking your money, but I'll give you the food. He gave me so, gosh, like, I don't know, $70 worth of, I don't know how much it, it costs, a lot of money worth of food for my fish, just because, you know, kind of a trade, because I am giving him the yeah, shout outs. Really I'm nice. telling people about that. And you get the these type of opportunities too. When you have that, you like if you are interested in pushing your career forward, YouTube really is one of the best things you can do. It's slow. It's not something that you're not going to take over off overnight. But get started on that. I mean, just start recording and putting them up there because it made it, it just. That's so funny. You one said of the best things slow. I've yeah. ever done. I don't know anything in art that's fast. Yeah, right. Oh, well, acrylic painting <laughs> oh, is fast. Man. That's the only thing about art that's fast is making an acrylic painting. In oh, the dry time, fast. Well, oh. hey, I'm excited that Matt may be getting into reptiles. We may have to have a conversation. That's really cool. Yeah, he's really, he's been researching <laughs> nonstop awesome. all week, and yeah. being that we have a few months until we buy a house, or you know, nine months, our lease isn't up until till the winter oh, or next okay. winter. Cool. Um, he's got some time to really research, and he's that he's that's been doing that cool. nonstop. Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, um, I'm going to really love editing this because I didn't talk much. (laughs) It's so much easier when I don't talk. Uh, All right. So hopefully this has been educational for you guys. And to me, it's been uh, sort of inspirational. And I really appreciate you sharing what actually happened. That was very helpful. And this is a weekly show. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.